It is a good Sunday, and it's a good Sunday because last Sunday, history was made with our very own Philadelphia Eagles, baby. Come on. Yes. Goodness. I, I just can't believe it. That's, this is the one game that I watch all season long is the Super Bowl. <laughs> so I have no idea who the players are besides the ones that we had the opportunity to film. I have no idea who's good, who's terrible. It's an exciting event. You guys should try it sometime because you're, you're just surprised all the way around. You don't know what to expect. But I was definitely blown away uh, by the game. It was an incredible thing. But this week, we're headed into Valentine's Day. How many are excited about Valentine's Day? Yeah. Some of you would say Singles Awareness Day. And uh, hey, I feel for you. I've been there before. I've been there on Singles Awareness Day, so I feel the love. But I'm excited. We're kicking off a brand new series called The Ups, The Downs, and The All-Arounds. How many of you involved in any sort of relationship, whether in your family, uh, a spouse, a sibling, friends, coworkers, whatever, would say you've been through the ups, the downs, and the all-arounds in some relationships somewhere? Yeah. Yeah, so we're going to break that down for you this week. We're going to talk about the ups. How do you get to the ups? How do you stay there? How do you maintain something like that? Uh, and next week's going to be about the downs. What happens when you get there? How do you grow through something like that? And then the all-arounds. What happens when life ends up where you never imagined, where you never pictured yourself being, where you never uh, thought that you could get to this place, you never thought it would be you? What do you do? when you get to the all-arounds, and I'm, I'm so excited to, to begin this series. And when I think about the ups and the downs and the all-arounds, speaking of the Eagles, uh, that's one of the things that popped in my head. Uh, you may or may not know this, but the Eagles' journey began back in 1933 when they were first established. And if you don't know, this, uh, this year is 2018, and it was 85 years, 85 years until the, the Eagles experienced their first Super Bowl ring, their first up. That's a long time, man. I mean, went, they went through some crazy stuff. There was one year where um, they, they didn't think that they could even continue throughout the year because they didn't have enough players. And so uh, they combined the, or the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Philadelphia Eagles. And some of you may remember this. They called them the Steagles. Uh, so that, that's an all-around, if you ask me. I mean, that's a crazy thing. That's somewhere they probably thought they would never end, end up. Uh, and then that, at the end of that season, they dissolved that, and they went back to their own teams. But that's crazy. They went through, they, they, they went through, through some crazy things, 85 years of enduring, of persevering, <laughs> of continuing to try and try and try again. And this year, they came out on top. And I think about what, what makes it so difficult to get to the ups in our relationships. What, what makes it so hard? And there's two practical things this morning I just want to give you. just want to drop in your spirit this morning before we really dive in. There's two things. The first thing is, is unmet expectations. From my experience, when you walk into a relationship, whether it be uh, with your family, with your coworkers, with your boss, with your, your spouse, your significant other, whatever it is, when you walk into that relationship with an expectation, nine out of ten times, you are going to get let down. You're setting yourself up for failure because you're going in with these expectations that you've set for someone else. You don't know where they are. I mean, you may know who they are, but you don't know where they are as far as what they're capable of doing in a relationship. 
And you're giving them an expectation. You're setting the bar so high that they can't even reach it. And, and we go into these relationships and we get so frustrated. We get so upset because they're not meeting the expectations that we set for them. And so we get let down nine out of ten times. It's very rare that you set an expectation that someone is going to meet that exactly the way that you set the criteria. And so that's, that's one of the major things that we struggle with. When we go into a relationship, we set these expectations so high. We go in with expectations. And then the second one is unresolved offenses. Things that we've held on to, things that we've been hurt from in the past, that we're, we're just holding on to it for dear life. And we're guarding ourselves. We're throwing up these walls because we don't want to get offended again. And the only way that we can move past that and set ourselves up to go up in our relationships is to forgive and move on so that you can be in a position to move up for God. So that's just two really quick things. Uh, we, we've got to stop setting expectations for others in our relationship. The only expectation that we should have is on ourselves and how we should respond and how we should react and, and how we should treat those that we're in relationship with. And then the second one, unresolved offenses, we've got to get rid of those things that we're holding on to. We've got to forgive and move on. It's, it's hard. It's not an easy thing. I'm not pretending that these are the, the, the two easiest things in the world. But these are the things that if we're going to set ourselves up to move up in relationships with one another, that's what we've got to do. We've got to turn our back on those things. We've got to move on, stop setting up expectations, and get rid of the offenses that you have in your life. Amen? Just two quick things. All right, we're going to jump in this thing this morning. If you got your Bible today, would you turn to John, John chapter 13, and you can turn on your devices, you can turn physically, or you can watch on the screen behind me, whatever you prefer, but we're going to dive into this thing. John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father, Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from his meal, he took off his outer clothing, and he wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that he wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, Peter said, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then the Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. 
Let's pray this morning. God, we love you. We thank you so much that you're going to speak to our hearts today. I pray that we would be open and receptive to receive all that you have for us, the knowledge that you would have for us. And God, I pray that when we leave this place, we would apply those things in our lives because of your word, because of your promises. We want to get better. We want to move up in our relationships. And God, I pray that you would do that this morning. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. Hey, if you're taking note, notes this morning, this is number one. So pull out your phones or your Bible or a piece of scrap paper, whatever you got, and, uh, and write these things down. It's going to help you remember them. It's good to hear things, but it's also good to write them down. It's also good to see them. It helps you remember it longer. So number one, strip off your title. Strip off your title. In, in verse four, it says, so he got up from the meal and he took off his outer clothing and, and, and this is a big deal because in those days, in the Bible days, clothing was, was very symbolic. It was, it was all about your, your stature. It was all about your, your title in those days. So a commoner would wear a specific type of clothing. Someone who was an official uh, leader, they would wear a different type of clothing. A priest would wear a different t- type of clothing. A rabbi would wear a different type of clothing. And it all meant something. So it was your status symbol. It was, it was who you were. And, and Jesus, being the Son of God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and the disciples knew this. And, and not only that, but he was also their teacher. He was wearing a specific type of clothing. And so Jesus sets an example up for us, and he takes off his title. He takes off who he, he is. He rightly wore those clothes, but he took them off to show them, I'm not any better than the one who dresses as a servant. And that's what they wore in those days. They would strip down to their loincloth, and they would wrap a towel around them or an apron, and they would be the ones to wash the feet of those that would come into the door. And Jesus said, the lowest of the low, the the worst of the worst, if you will, the ones who have to clean off the, the dirt and grime and the muck and the nastiness. I mean, in those days, you know, in the Middle East, it's it's hot. And he's, they're wearing sandals, and they're walking through dirt and mud and dust and, and nastiness. They're probably cutting their toes on thorns. They got some bloody toe jam up in there. I mean, can you just get that visual real quick? It's disgusting. And they get down, and they, they, they wash these people's feet. And Jesus said, I am no better than them. And I want to lead by example. So I'm going to strip off my title, and I'm going to get down here, and I'm going to dress like them. I'm going to be like them because I'm no better than them. Strip off. Your title, he said, very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Yet the disciples, they had a a different picture of things. And in John, uh, this is one perspective. If you look through the the Gospels, it's all the same story. It's a a different perspective from each one of, of, of these Gospels. And if you jump over to Luke in chapter 22, there's another version of this story. And it says the disciples, within minutes, they were bickering over who of them would end up the greatest. And I just, I I go back to working on on job sites and little construction projects that we have around the church. And I think of Bob Wilkinson and Matt Doughton, who bicker the entire time we're doing anything. I mean, it's it's a constant bicker fest, talking about who would do things better, that they would do things differently. If something's messed up, they're blaming it on the other person. It's just crazy. They're just bickering the whole time. And then I, I get to work with two goons throughout the week, Luke, Luke and Isaiah. And, uh, and these guys are over here bickering about whose legs are smaller. 
because they work out with each other every day, and it, it's just a constant bickerfest. So I imagine the disciples were something like that, talking about who did things better, who had smaller legs than the other one, and uh, who had dirtier feet. I don't know who had the worst toe jam. Some crazy stuff like that. these disciples are bickering. Who is the who's the greatest, Lord? We want to know who's better than who's going to be better than the other. But he intervened and he said, kings like to throw their weight around and people and authority like to give themselves fancy names. It is not going to be that way with you. Let the senior among you become like the junior. Let the leader act the part of the servant. Who would you rather be? The one who eats the dinner or the one who serves the dinner? You'd rather eat and be served, right? But I have taken my place among you as the one who serves. And you stuck with me through thick and thin. Now I confer on you the royal authority my father conferred on me so you can eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and be strengthened as you take up responsibility among the congregations of God's people. He says, I'm the, I, I'm the one who, who came down to serve. I'm not any better than these others. I'm not going to wear my towel, title. I, we wear these titles as I'm, I'm the head of the household. I'm the man, and so you got to listen to what I say. I'm the boss. you got to listen to what I say. I'm the father of this house. You better listen to me. And we, we wear these titles, and the, the problem is we call ourselves Christians while we do that. And, and, and what a Christian means is to be Christ-like. How can we be Christians if we're not being like Christ? When he set the example so clearly for us, he said, strip off your title, get down there and serve them, and do what I've called you to do. I've already showed you how to do it. So serve. Let's do this thing. Stop wearing your titles. And this is the biggest thing to me. This is, this is the one that really stuck out to me and honestly shook up my world this past weekend is going to change my trajectory in my relationships going forward. And, and it's not going to make any sense. You're going to be like, what is this dude talking about? This makes no sense at all. And it's number two. So write this down. Write this down. Number two, go down to go up. Like, what? <laughs> How do you do that? In verse five, it says, of John, it says, after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And I see this, and I can't help but get, get the visual of Jesus. There's a certain position that you've got to be in to wash feet. Now, I'm not ashamed to say this. Uh, I'm actually excited to share this with you. My wife's birthday was January 21st, and uh, she's the big 2-6, and there's something that she wanted to do on her birthday. She said, I want to go get a pedicure. And I'm like, okay, that's awesome. And then she added to that, and she said, I want you to go get a pedicure with me. So I said, okay. <laughs> Let's go get a pedicure together. And I'm not ashamed to say that because I love my wife. And some of us men, we, we hold on to that, that manly title that we wear. We hold on to the, I'm a man. I'm not going to go get my toes done. Are you crazy? But I'm telling you, if you show your wife you love her by doing things that she loves, there are going to be things reciprocated that you didn't even imagine could happen in your relationship. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. But here's the deal. We went into this, we went into this, um, 
what do you, what do you call that place? A pet, a salon? Yeah, there you go. A spa? Is that it? A spa. Okay, cool. We went into this salon slash spa, and uh, there was this big, like, like, chair. It was like a throne, man. It was like, Really cool. You had to step up to get into this thing. It was, it was huge. It was like really fancy. It had like massagers all in the thing. And, and so I'm stepping up in this thing. And they were like, can we get you any water? I'm like, dang, this is sweet. No wonder women like to come to this place. This is awesome. Of course you can get me some water. Please do. So they're bringing water out. They've got like hot towels and I, the massage is going. I've, I've got, you know, the multi-selection on. So I'm getting everything done. And this place is sweet, but there's something I noticed about the position of the one who was working with my feet. They were beneath me. There was someone uh, underneath. They were in a position so that they could reach my feet well. And so I was elevated up in this throne-like thing, and they were working on my feet. And I'm, I, I'm not ashamed to say I enjoyed every minute of that. In fact, I fell asleep in the process. <laughs> Because it was so awesome. She startled me awake. She put this hot towel on my feet. I'm like, what is going on right now? It was amazing. But, but there was a position that she had to be in to wash my feet. She understood that in order to put me up, she had to go down. And it, it doesn't make sense. In God's world, things don't always make sense. In fact, it says in Isaiah 55, 9, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So things aren't always going to make sense. They're going to they're kind of seem crazy. How many of you have seen the movie Cars? Come on, don't be, don't be ashamed. Most of us have kids in here. And if not, then you were a kid once and you watched Cars. So we all watch Cars. Okay, so there's this scene in there. There's a, the main character, Lightning McQueen, and then there's another guy in there who becomes his mentor. His name is Doc. And they're in Radiator Springs, which is this tiny little town. And the only track they had in this town was this dirt track. And so Lightning McQueen, he's stuck in this, this place, and, and he's practicing in this dirt track. But every time he goes around the corners, he slides out because he doesn't know how to handle it. And he comes around this one corner, and he's sliding. Dust is flying everywhere. The dust settles, and there's Doc standing there. And Doc says, you know, you have to turn right to go left. And, and Lightning McQueen, he's all frustrated. He was like, oh, oh, go right to go left. That makes sense. Thank you. Well, actually, why don't I say no thank you? Because in opposite world, then maybe that means thank you. <laughs> and he doesn't understand. He doesn't get it. But what he doesn't realize is that Doc has already been in a place before him where he realized what was going to happen, he knew how to anticipate, and he was trying to teach him, he was trying to help him in knowing here's how you gotta navigate this thing. Here's the turn that you gotta make. You gotta turn right to go left, because in dirt, it's different than asphalt, and when you're sliding around, you've gotta turn the wheels right so that you're drifting around the curve, and he knew how to catch it. But it didn't make sense to Lightning McQueen, just like it doesn't make sense. What do you mean I gotta go down to go up? What are you talking about? This, this makes no sense you got to go down to go up. I'm going to take this a, a step further. You know, in order for there to be an up, there has to be a lower surface, a lower starting point for there to be an up, right? So you got to start somewhere down. Here's the problem, though. We see relationships. We see families. We see uh, spouses. We see uh, 
companies, all these things, and we see where they are, and they're up. We look to them, we see how high they've gotten, we're like, man, I want to be like that. But we haven't seen the previous steps before that that they had to take to get there. We look at, at Grace and George Barnes and we see their relationship and how beautiful it is and how wonderful it is. We hear the stories about their life and their marriage and their, their, their love and their perseverance. Amen. And we say we want that. We want what they have. But you don't know what it took to get to that place. You haven't seen the steps in their life. You haven't seen the little step that they had to take here and then a little bit bigger of a step that they had to take here and then the massive jump that they had to take here. You haven't seen those steps. All you see is where they are. And each and every one of you are at a starting point right now. You may have a dream. You may have a vision of being at an up in your relationship and you haven't reached that yet. And what you're trying is what you know, is what you've heard, is what you've seen. Okay, I've seen that, that people do this to try and get there. They flex their authority. They flex their power, their position, their title. And they think that they can take those things and get to the next level. I guarantee you, you will never make it past your first step if you stay there. Because God knew. He showed us how to do something. How do you go up? You go down to go up. Let me demonstrate that. I don't think we're getting it yet. So if I'm down here on the floor level, and I want to get to step number one, it seems pretty easy. But what I don't want to do is I don't want to take away my posture. I want to stand upright. I want to puff my chest out. I want to hold my nose high. And I want to wear my title proudly. I'm the man of this house. I'm the boss. I'm the one that you've got to answer to. And so I'm going to hold myself upright, but I'm moving up to this next step. Here's what I'm going to say. Body, you better get up there right now. I'm telling you, you better move. You better do it right now because I'm your boss. I'm the one telling you what to do, and here's what happens. I'm going to stay upright. I'm not moving. Here we go. Going to number two. You better move, body. I'm still on level one. You better move. I'm telling you, I'm sick of you playing games. You're going to, you're going to number two. You're doing it, or I'm, I'm, I'm getting rid of you. Game over. I'm starting over. I'm turning you in, starting a whole new thing over. Go to number two. Here we go. I'm not pretending. I can't get up there. That's, that's as hard as I can jump. Where's Luke? Luke, come here. I want you to show these people. I'm not fooling around here. I'm not fooling around. I want you to stay as upright as you possibly can. Don't bend your knees. Don't move. And I want you to jump from, from this level to, to step number two, okay? Don't move your knees. Ready? One, two, three. He even bent his knees. He can't even get up there. He cheated. Come on, try it again one more time. It's hard, right? You're not going to move because you're, you're, you're wanting to stay upright. Do it again. You can't bend him. You can't bend him. Here's the thing. Wait, stay up here, Luke. Stay up here. Stay <laughs> I want to try something different. We're going to try that again. You're going to do the same thing that you just did, okay? But I'm going to try something different. I'm going to try a different approach. So turn around. Do the same thing. All right, Luke's going to be who I was, telling, telling my body just to move and, and flexing my authority. I'm going to practice what Jesus said. And I understand that we want to get to a new place. I want to love you. I want to serve you. I want to help you get there. So what I'm going to, I'm going to do, I'm going to try a different approach. 
Okay, on three, we're going to move up. You ready? One, two, three. What just happened? You lose. There's a difference when you go down to go up. Something happens in your body, you, you, you gain power, you gain momentum, you're in a position where you can move to the next level. And God wants to do that in your life, but you've got to be willing to go down so you can go up. Give it up for Luke this morning. Listen, I'm telling you, if you start out here, this is where so many of us are. We're flexing our authority. We're flexing our power. We're trying to do things by our own power. And God says, I'm telling you, if you go down, if you serve others in your relationship, if you begin to do for them, if you begin to lay your life down and put others before you, you're going to go to levels that you never thought that you could. You're, you're going to go to places you never imagined possible. And you're, you're going to be able to skip steps. You're going to be able to do huge steps. You're going to be able to go down and serve and say, I love you. I, I care for you. I'm giving all that I am for you. And you're going to jump up to the next level. And God's going to say, there's another step that I have for you. This is the dream that you had. And if you continue to serve, if you continue to go down and give all that you have, then you're going to be able to reach the level that I gave you. But this isn't the end. This may be the place that, that you thought was your, your highest goal, but God is going to open up new doors of opportunity. He's going to open up uh, new realms that you never thought possible. He's going to take you higher than you ever imagined if you just do what God told you to do and serve. Go down to go up. Husbands, I want to talk to you for just a minute. In Ephesians 5 verse 25, it says this. It says, husbands, go all out in your love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church. A love marked by giving and not getting. And I, and I read this, and I've read this a million times. I've heard it a million times. I know it hurts, Anthony. <laughs> I've read it a million times. What does it mean how Christ loved the church? You mean like he just, he, he loved the power play so much that he sported the sticker on his window on his car, or he carried around his double wall thermos? And showed everybody, I love the power place. love my church. No, that's, that's not what he's saying. He's not talking about the four walls. He's talking about the body, his body, the church, you and me. That's what the church is. That's what he's calling the church. And I thought about this. If it was 17 degrees outside, it had just snowed a huge amount. There's three feet of snow out in the yard. And you're down to your skivvies. And you're standing there in the yard. It's 17 degree weather. The wind's blowing. Snow's coming up on you. Are you going to stand there and yell at your body that it needs to put some clothes on and go inside and not move a muscle to do that? No. You're going to run your, your hiney back inside. You're going to cover up with a blanket. You're going to put on a beanie. You're going to put on some slippers. You're going to get next to the fire. You're going to get some hot coffee. You're going to cover yourself and care for yourself because you love your body, right? In the same way, Jesus loves the body of Christ. If there's anything, if there's any situation that's coming against the body of Christ, he's going to be there to protect it and love it and, and nurture it back to health, back to the, the way that he designed it to be. That's how we we're to love our wives. We love them like Christ loved the church, like he sacrificed, like he gave, like he laid down his life for us, for his body. 
In John 15, 12 to 13, it says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than, than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. And I'm not talking about taking a bullet for your buddy. That's, that's not what I mean. If, if somebody's you know, on a shooting rampage and you jump in front of them and you take a bullet for them, that's huge love. But, but what God is saying here is that you're laying down your personal wants, your personal desires, your interests, things that, that make you feel better, and you're going to put others before you put yourself. It's laying, laying your life down in this kind of sense. You are greater than me. I'm going to put you before I put myself. And that's not an easy thing to do. It's not an easy task. I'm telling you, I know this from experience. In fact, I'm going to be transparent with you. This, this past week, I came home and I had a conversation with Allie because I was convicted by the way that I was doing things. And God showed me to how, to how to do things and approach things in a different way that I hadn't tried before. And so I came to Allie and I said, I just got to tell you, babe, I am sorry for the way I've done things in the past. Because I've tried over and over and over and over and over again, and it never works. But I'm going to do something different. I'm going to put you first I'm going to quit worrying about what makes me happy, about the way you do things, about the way I would prefer you to do things. And I'm going to do it that way first. Before I ever get upset, before I ever get frustrated and say, babe, why didn't this happen? Why didn't you do it this way? I'm going to do it myself first. Because I'm going to go down to go up. I haven't tried it before. I've never done it before. But I'm going to try this. and I'm going to see what God does. And I'm telling you, in this past week, our life has been changed. Our marriage is in, in a new level already. And I believe in God for, to do greater things in our marriage than he has before. And to be able to reach out to others who may be in the same situation and encourage them and help them to get to that next level by teaching them to go down, to go up. And it's changing our lives. I'm telling you, it's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing you got to lay down your life, put their life in front of yours. Watch this video this morning. Love. 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 Love in this world is pretty messed up. It asks for a lot and it never returns the favor. Love in my world? Well, it brings more trouble than it's worth. In my world, love has felt like... Sabotage. It flees into the night. It, it, it leaves at the first sign of trouble. And it never feels like, I love you no matter what. Because love in my world, it leaves. And when it leaves, there's only disaster left. Oh, promises a lot, but it doesn't deliver much. It breaks hearts. I've picked up the pieces of my broken heart one too many times. So I build walls. Love isn't worth the tears. The pain, the loneliness. The surrender. It's exhausting. Even when you try to do love right, love fails. 
I have made a mess out of love. What good is it? Can't help me. Why love at all? Why do I even try to love? Why sacrifice to carry the burden? Why? 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 Because there is a perfect love. Perfect love that can end the disaster. A perfect love that can heal the brokenhearted. There is a love that saved those who are dwelling in this messed up world. God tells us about it because we wouldn't recognize it if it showed up on our own doorstep. It's a love that takes its time. It's profound. It doesn't brag or badmouth. God's love is like a shield that we know will never leave us. That you can trust. Hoping. And you never, ever exhaust it. That's his kind of love. And it never fails. And while we were keeping records of wrongs and self-seeking and being unkind, he still died for us. How can I love like that? How can I love like that? How can I love like that? Because I am loved like that. I can love well, not because of me, but because he first loved me. Jesus Christ showed his love for us first. He showed us how to love. He gave us examples. He showed us how to do it. And here's what he says in John 13, 17. He says, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. If you do as I have done, as I have shown you to do, you will be blessed. It's literally that simple. And, and, and we make it so difficult for, us, uh, for, for ourselves to wrap our heads around that, to grab that concept and say, let me try this. Let me see what happens if I move forward in this. If I put action to these thoughts, this knowledge that God has given me, let me see where my relationship goes if I begin to apply these things. We make it so difficult for ourselves, but number three, write this down. Practice makes permanent. Practice makes permanent. You'll be blessed if you do them. When I was a kid, how many of you love the movie Space Jam? Have you ever seen Space Jam? I love the movie Space Jam, the, the opening scene where Michael Jordan as a kid is, is practicing with his dad and he's, you know, shooting in the rain. I was just talking to Andy this past week about Space Jam. Uh, we were playing basketball and, and he mentioned watching that with his kids. I'm like, man, I love that movie. Uh, but, but Michael Jordan is out there shooting. He's in the rain. He's, he's playing. He's practicing his free throws, his layups, all, this, all these moves and stuff. And I got inspired. I'm like, I'm going to do the same thing. I was living in West Monroe, Louisiana at the time. And so I grabbed my basketball. We had a basketball goal out in our driveway. And I began to, to shoot free throws one after the next, free throw after free throw after free throw. I'm practicing layups. I'm doing some Allen Iverson wannabe moves. And it never looked that good, but I tried. Um, and so I'm out there practicing, and it carried into my high school years, and we moved on to Mesquite, Texas, and the church that my dad was at had a gymnasium, and so every day after school, I would go into that gymnasium. I practiced my free throws over and over and over and over again, and I remember hearing my dad's voice in my head, keep your elbow in, you line your arm up with the shot, follow through, only use your left hand as a support, don't shoot with your left hand, my coach drilling those things into my head, and I remember practicing over and over and over and over and over, and I'm like, this is crazy, like, why am I doing this so much? Is it going to pay off ever? And, and I used, you know, my shots throughout my high school career, 
And uh, I think I was done my junior year. I moved to soccer because I wasn't tall enough. I didn't grow till my senior year. So I was a little shrimp. They didn't, uh, they cut me from the team. Uh, sad to say, I did not have a Michael Jordan story uh, where I went pro in my dreams. Uh, but I continued to, to play and shoot basketball. And it was the other day we were playing with the power place pinkies. Whoop! Where are my pinkies at? Come on, you're leaving me hanging here. Power place pinkies, that's what's up. Come on. They call us pinkies because we have pink shirts. And uh, we were playing this game, and it was the last play of the game. I went up for a layup, and I got fouled. I made the shot, so I got an and one shot. The guy who fouled me got really mad and got a technical foul. And, uh, and so that gave me three shots. And then uh, he, he kept mouthing off. He got another technical foul, so that gave me five shots. So two technical fouls and an and one. And I go up to shoot my, my and one shot, and, and I make it. I make the first one, and I look, at, I look at Julian, and I'm like, hey, do you want me to stay up here, or do you want to bring somebody else for the, the technical foul shot? And he's like, no, stay up there. So I shoot the first technical foul shots. Boom. Made the first one. Boom. Made the second one. So I made three in a row. I look at Julian, and I'm like, do you want me to stay up for these technical foul shots? He's like, yes, stay up for the technical foul shots. Come on. I shoot the fourth one, I miss the fourth one, I shoot the fifth one, I make the fifth one. Four out of five shots I make in a row, and my mind immediately goes back to the time that I invested in practicing and shooting the free throws in the right way when my dad was drilling it in my head, when I spent all hours of the night in the rain shooting my free throw shots one after the next, when I spent all the time in that musty smelling gym shooting my free throw shots by myself. And practice paid off because practice made permanent. The problem is many of us are practicing in the wrong way. I myself was practicing in the wrong way, and practice didn't make it perfect. The way I practiced didn't make it perfect. It just made it permanent. The way that I was doing things over and over and over, expecting different results, you know they call that insanity? Doing the same thing over and over, expecting something to change. It's not going to. And on our own, in our own strength, it's never going to change unless we begin to practice things the right way. And when we begin to practice God's way, we're going to be doing things, uh, we're going to be practicing to make it permanent in a way where we're going to go up in our relationship. We're going to be able to take steps and then leaps and then bounds to the places beyond where we even thought we were capable. But we got to practice the way that God showed us how to practice. We're going to read this scripture, and I'm sure that you've heard it before. It was probably read at your wedding. You've probably heard it a million times, but there was something that stuck out to me. We recently had a staff retreat, and we read this scripture on the staff retreat, and there was one thing that stuck out to me. It's 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, verses 4 through 7. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes. And here's the deal. It always perseveres. You may be sitting here today and you say, you know, this is all great stuff. This is awesome, but it's too late for me. I've already lost my job as the CEO of the company. My family has already turned their back on me. The divorce papers have already gone through. It's official. So what do I do now? And with this chapter, what love would say 
is that it always perseveres. It's never too late for you to begin practicing the way that God demonstrated in relationships, to move forward in your life. You never know what God can do. There's nothing impossible for him. He can restore impossible situations, impossible relationships, impossible job opportunities. He can restore it all back to you, but you've got to do something first. You've got to practice the way that he showed us to practice the right way, and practice will make permanent and you're gonna to begin to take steps in your life that you didn't even think possible. I'm telling you, it's already happened for me. In one week, our, our relationship was never on the fritz. We were never struggling in that capacity, but we wanted to go somewhere on a next level and we weren't getting there. And it's because I needed to change the way I was practicing doing these things. And Jesus says, if you wanna go up, you've gotta go down first. And I said, okay, I've tried every other way. I've tried to flex my, I'm the man of the house. <laughs> Not, I didn't say that, but in, in the way that I was <laughs> responding, in the way that I was reacting, that's what I was saying to her. But I said, no more. I'm not doing this, we're not staying where we are. We were designed to move forward in our relationship. And babe, I promise you, we're gonna go to heights that we never expected to go to because I promise you, I'm gonna go down to go up. And things have already begun to, to be reciprocated in our life because she sees the importance that that is to me. Because I've taken the steps to change things, she's in turn changed the way that she's responded to me. Instead of shutting down and getting frustrated that I bring things up, she sees that I'm changing the way I do things. And so she's opening up new doors of opportunity for us to, to grow in our relationship. She's doing things for me that I don't even ask for her to do. She just does it because she knows it, it means something to me. And it's gonna change for you. I'm telling you right now, your relationships are going to change when you put this into practice. I'm so excited to hear the stories of what God's gonna do in you. It doesn't have to just be in a marriage. It doesn't have to be with your significant other. This can be in your families. This, is, this can be in your job, in your work life, in your friends. Your life can change drastically if you learn to go down, to go up, but you gotta practice the right way. Never stop always persevere even when it looks like the end the best thing that we can do is lay our lives down for others amen would you stand to your feet this morning maybe you've been practicing things like i have the wrong way and you wanna make the decision that you're gonna change, you're gonna try this thing out. I wanna give you that opportunity this morning. These altars are open if you wanna come up here. You can sit right in your seat, whatever you're comfortable with doing, it's fine with me. But you've gotta make a decision today. Am I gonna continue practicing the way that I've done it and get nowhere? Or am I gonna try the new way? Am I gonna practice how God set the example first and, and strip off my title and get down on my knees and serve the one that I love? We're not talking about in a physical sense here. I think we all understand that. We're talking about metaphorically serving those that we love, serving those that we're in relationship with. And something's gonna change in your life for the better. So I wanna pray for you this morning. If you, if you would say today, 
I want to make that decision to practice the way that, that God has called me to practice. Would you just slip up your hand? We're not doing it to embarrass you. I just want to see who I'm praying for, who I'm praying with. Amen. Come on. God's going to restore some relationships today. Can you give him praise before it even happens? Because this is amazing. Praise God. Come on. Amen. I want to pray for you this morning. God, we love you. We thank you so much that you've spoken to hearts and lives today. God, I thank you that you can use my weakness to help someone along the way. God, I thank you that you're strengthening my relationships and I pray that it would be a light to others. But God, right now, I pray for each and every individual that raised their hand. You know where they are in their situation. You know where they are in their relationships. That If they're stuck at a level that they're not moving past, God, I pray that this new insight, that this wisdom, this is a way to practice things in relationships would take them to new heights and new levels that they never expected because we wanna go up in our relationships. And God, I pray that you would continue to give us wisdom, even when it's hard, that you would help us to persevere through it. Even when it's difficult, even when our, uh, the, the person we're in a relationship isn't reciprocating that, God, I pray that you would help us to continue to practice the right way because as we persevere, we're gonna see the fruit of our labor come forth. And God, I'm claiming victory over relationships today. Enemy, you no longer have a hold on these relationships. I rebuke it in Jesus' name. The chains are, are, are beginning to fall. The chains that have bound us from moving forward are beginning to fall off. And freedom is going to be experienced in relationships moving forward from here today. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. We love you, God. And maybe you're here today and, and, and you would say, man, I want a relationship with a God that would, that would do that. The savior of the world, the one who created this universe, that guy, he would strip off his title and he would come down and wash my feet. I want a relationship with somebody who would do that for me, who would give his life for me. If you're here today and, and you would say, I, I wanna know that that person is my Lord and savior, would you just slip up your hand this morning? Just really quick, just slip it up. Amen. Amen. It says in his word that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, then we will be saved. It's that simple. All you got to do is say, I believe, Jesus, that you are Lord and and I believe that you raised him from the dead. And I wanna ask you to be my Lord and Savior because you're the kind of Savior that would lay his life down for me, that would serve me even when I don't deserve it. And God, I thank you for the opportunity in new life with you, a chance for restoration, a new hope, a new purpose. Jesus, I thank you for what you did for me, and I accept you as my Savior today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Can you celebrate what he's done this morning? Amen. Amen. There's freedom. Come on, can we sing out with our voices this morning? Lift up, lift up your voice to the heavens. God, we worship you. Hallelujah. No shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. 
He's looking for you. There's no wall he won't kick down, lie he won't tear down, coming after. Oh, there's no shadow, no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. to come and find us. Lord, we thank you that you care enough to love us right where we are. You're not here to condemn us, but God, you're here to help us along the way. You're here to demonstrate to us and show us ways to get to new levels that we couldn't go on our own. And God, I pray that today as we leave this place, that we would put into practice the way that you showed us to do it in your word, the way that you demonstrated for us first, the way that you loved us first. I pray that we would leave this place and love others with that kind of love, the one that you showed us first. We love you and we thank you for what you've done, Jesus. In your name we pray and everybody said, amen, amen. Give it up for God one more time. For what he